0: So I'm delighted to be joined uh, today by Mike Rogers and Harry O'Mara, who are very much the stalwarts of the Scariff Harbour Festival. And while we did have a feature last week about the Scarif Harbour Festival and what's to come, we actually wanted to give a bit of a reflection of Scarif Harbour Festival in the past. So, Mike, Harry, welcome along to Scarif Bay Community Radio.
1: How are you? Thanks, Jennifer.
0: Very good. Thank you. So I suppose, can you talk us through, as Scariff Harbour Festival is nearly 20 years old and will be 20 years next year, how
2: did it all actually begin? It's a good question. Uh, I suppose, Jennifer, we had tried for a couple of years before that to, to continue on previous festivals in Scarif, and it just didn't work out for a variety of reasons. And I suppose, luckily enough, in 2003, a group was set down together, and uh, with the help of Waterways Ireland, we formed the Scariff Harbour Festival. And nice. funny enough, we didn't have a harbour at that time, but uh, it was under reconstruction, so... I had
1: the misfortune to be <laughs> accosted by this guy walking across, going to my lunch one day. And the rest is history, as they yeah. say. Harry was the Albert, the first isn't, that,
0: isn't that quite common now in terms of you can never get away with with anything without somebody accosting you if you're crossing the road? No.
1: No. <laughs> and yeah, then what's the connection
0: with um, Waterways Ireland?
1: Well, I suppose we, when we decided we were going to set up a festival, we needed to have a theme or what we were going to base it on. Um, So I guess a lot of people said, well, we have a lake there on our doorstep, which is probably underutilized by a lot of people. And as it happens at the time, Waterways Ireland were just establishing themselves a regional headquarters in Scarf. So, you know, they had, they came to Scarf in 2003. So we decided we would approach them and asked them if they wanted to kind of uh, get involved in the festival. We thought it might be a nice link to seeing as they were going to be a link to the north of Ireland through the waterways, the inland waterways. Mm-hmm. Would they be interested in getting involved in the festival? And we based the theme of the festival around that kind of a quite a unique link with Northern Ireland. Nice.
0: And then how has that, that developed or evolved over the years, the connection with Northern Ireland?
1: Oh yeah it's been a great connection it's been a great link and it's you know it still is the linchpin I suppose of the the festival and um, obviously waterways are a kind of a. We don't look at them as a sponsor we we look at them as a we look at it as a, I suppose a partnership at this stage and like they've been involved with us from day one and. We've had some great uh, personalities and guests from Northern Ireland over the years. Like the very first festival, we had David Irvine and Mark Durkin. Uh, they were from two opposing political persuasions in the north and they were coming together, I suppose, under the Good Friday Agreement, which is, which is why Waterways Ireland was set up because yeah. of the Good, the Good Friday Agreement to promote cross-border cooperation. And um like since then we've had some very high profile people from the north, like uh Mark McGuinness. Uh right. you know, you know, and then we've had like I suppose non-political personalities. Trevor Ringland, Phil Coulter has been down, And McCarthy were also very entertaining. Yeah, yes, um, I would imagine it was, so. <laughs> um with McKay, the new press ombudsman. I hear she's been appointed. New Press Ombudsman there the other day.
0: Fantastic. And Mike, you actually mentioned before before we actually um, started recording here that there's been kind of cross-collaborations. So people from the North are so like students and stuff coming down to Scarf and vice versa. Can you just talk a bit about that?
2: Well, to, to forge the links between North and South, we found it very important that we did it through the youth. Mm. And I suppose 20 years ago, uh, the North of Ireland was a very different place to where it is today. Um, and... The year that Trevor Englands came down to open the festival, he introduced a game called the game of three halves, where he brought different communities together and they played different sports. And look at when children are in, infused together, they become great friends and um, life is so much simpler. And it's through their eyes, we were hoping that things would develop and improve. So we did that and we brought groups from St. John's um, Hurling Club in Belfast on two different occasions. And then we embarked on a project with the help of MSNs where we brought uh, children from, uh, we call it disadvantaged backgrounds, maybe not as affluent parts of Belfast, and we brought them to Scarif for the weekend and actually they stayed in Dergyle, I think. So they worked very well over the times and of course, 20 years ago that was easier than today with protocols and child protections and it's become quite difficult to do it. but we still we still bring groups from the north. Um a lot of groups come themselves now to be part of it.
0: Okay, and
2: fantastic. It's been really, really profitable and good.
0: And can I just ask, um, with regard to participation of the communities, like getting involved in the Harbour Festival, have you seen numbers grown? Have they, you know, have they always kind of remained in the same, especially if you're attracting people from outside of scariff as well?
1: as in well yeah i mean it has definitely grown without a doubt i mean i suppose skyroof is now a destination for yeah. the august holiday weekend you get a lot of repeat visitors you know you'll get people from dublin coming down or galway or limerick or you know who i suppose they appreciate the value and the you know it's a great value family weekend yeah. for somebody for yeah. you know if you have a two parents and a couple of kids, you know, everything's got so expensive now and it's still relatively accessible and affordable. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we get a lot of visitors from the, from outside the area, definitely.
2: I think, I think uh, the whole summer theme of it or where we hope it doesn't rain and invariably it does every year. But, you know, people come home and they can spend time with their families and the atmosphere is unique in the square um, and for children during the day, there's so much going on and all the different um activities you know there, there's so many different venues probably too much in the program really but there's something for everybody um yeah, from the young really to old. Old. and they yeah. all seem to converge together and you have the young the old and harry's middle age crowd there they're all there together so it's, it's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes because you're like a beacon of youth like compared <laughs> to harry I eh? <laughs> yeah,
2: the think they can't see
1: the video
0: <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> for those of you listening this has been recorded on zoom yeah. <laughs> Um, and can I ask Ben? you know, what have been the highlights? So obviously the connection to Northern Ireland has been huge. Getting the likes of Martin McGuinness, Nell McCafferty, Phil Coulter is phenomenal. So what, for you both, have been the highlights of the festival over the years?
1: I suppose, I don't know, there's a lot of highlights. I mean, we've had a lot of musical highlights. But I suppose really the aim of the festival was to kind of, I suppose, put people... Or give people an awareness of what Scarf is about and what happens on Scarf and what Scarf has to offer and what the area, not just Scarf, but East Clare, like Mount Shannon, Whitegate, Ogunlow, low you know, this whole area, what has this to offer a holidaymaker or a tourist, whether they're a foreigner or intercounty? And it really has put Scarf on the map, I think. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's been the biggest, that's been the biggest, uh, benefit of the festival, I think, for the committee.
2: Um, I suppose the other endorsement, Jennifer, is that, you know, the sense of community that's around at the weekend, the amount of people that help us over the weekend um, are like our our list of stewards between wristbands and stewarding and putting up stage and taking down and cleaning up. And like, we're well over 100 people.
0: Wow! And
2: I suppose it really gives you um, a boost, you know, and, and like, we're running to our 19th festival now Mm -hmm. we obviously lost two because of covid but we have a very small committee five or six people Mm -hmm. and it would be impossible to run the weekend without the help of so many and people just volunteer their two or three hours every year without fail and it just makes things so much easier and everyone enjoys it and i suppose that's the real boost from it you know
0: And it really goes to show, I think, that sense of community as well, especially in East Clare, but now as well with the festival, with Scarif, um, is that sense that people do want to get involved, do want to help out, actually want to see the festival become a success. Um, So, yeah, I suppose thank you to everybody that does take part in whatever shape or form. And you mentioned, obviously, the C word that we don't like to talk about, um, but in terms of COVID, how has it actually changed the festival?
1: Um i don't know that it has really changed i suppose this year is our first year back after two years off so we've definitely condensed it a little bit the program we we've we've been a, a little bit cautious yeah just to see how people go obviously there's a bit of covert around still so yes. and you know there's probably less indoor stuff going on i mean we decided not to do the church this year yeah content in the church um so really bar the talk in the library and we have a talk down in the uh harbor everything else is outdoors so look at we're aware of covid covid is still there it's something Mm -hmm. that we're all going to have to live with for another while anyway um but i think if people are you know sensible and I think most people are, and they have to. But I mean, you still have to live. You know, you can't stay cocooned and wrapped up and cotton wool. You still have to get out there and live. And I mean, I think a lot of people are going to look forward to this weekend. To be honest, you know, just to get back to some semblance of normality. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky in that the festival always has been an outdoor event, so I mean, there's minimal sort of risks really in terms of spreading it during the festival as yeah. such. So.
0: Oh, I'd say Um, i am looking forward to it, absolutely. And can I just ask, uh, like, curiosity, what what are the challenges in running the festival? Like, are there any challenges that you have to overcome every year? Is it funding? Is it, you know, you obviously don't have a shortage of people, but even in terms of guests, like, are there there certain challenges that, you know, come in the way of running the
1: festival? Obviously, funding is a major challenge. I mean, you see... You, if you come to the festival for the weekend, it'll potentially cost you five euros. So if everybody's only paying five euros for a wristband, then somebody really has to, somebody has to fund. It's an expensive program to put on, even over the three days. So the wristbands obviously are a major part of our fundraising effort, but you're also relying on sponsorship and grant aid. And so, you know, there's a lot of raising of money to do. Um, but, I mean, we're always adamant that we wanted to charge as little as possible to the general public, that we want the festival to be accessible to everybody.
0: Yeah.
1: And I mean, if you're a family with two kids or whatever, and it'll cost you 20 euros for everything for the weekend, I mean, I think that's very reasonable value, but I suppose it, pre- it presents a challenge to us to raise Mm. enough funding to cover or to keep it at that level and to make it accessible like that so i mean that's obviously a challenge and so getting the axe probably isn't as much of a challenge i suppose Look at we're at it 20 years we're experienced and we know what we're doing
0: i was gonna say how do you decide who to invite like is it a case of who's popular at the time or you know people that you've always wanted to see you know at the festival like how do you how do you kind of keep everyone happy
2: it's actually, it's it's quite difficult, Jennifer, in that a lot of the acts that, you know, money dictates everything, obviously. So, like, particularly now after COVID, because every band is wanted everywhere, um, it just drives prices through the roof. Mm. So a lot of these groups, you know, you you go see the Kilfenora, for, for example, you pay 30 euro to see them in, in Glor. Yeah. You can see them in Scarra for 5 euros. So you can see why uh, maybe bands will opt to go to Glore rather than come to Scariff because obviously they're going to make more money on a door ticket than they will at, at an agreed price with us at five euros. Mm. So it, it does make the negotiations, uh, you know, difficult at times, but we've been very lucky with bands. You know, we, we have a good rapport with agents and booking agents, and we've been lucky so far as well as just trying to get the balancing act right to suit everybody. Yeah, is where we try to do it most. That's the big challenge. I suppose the other big challenge is just the managing of the weekend. Mm. Um, you know, while a lot of people are are out late and and up late, maybe there's a lot of work going on early in the morning and late at night, cleaning up and yeah. tidying up and making sure everything is clean and put back together. And you know, there's a lot of un, unseen work in it. And yeah. um, again, we get a lot of help to do that, and we could do it a lot more help to do those things, but people have been very good. And that's the challenge of it, I suppose, Jen.
0: And can I just ask, how can people get involved in helping So,
2: in, in the coming days, we will be approaching people for to join our stewarding list. And I suppose the the biggest one we have is our wristband sellers, where we encourage people to buy wristbands. We need people dedicated that they will give an hour to on each night to help us to sell those. Nice.
0: Um, and who do they get in touch with?
2: well they can either call into the pharmacy here or messages on um, on, on any of the social media platforms okay. yeah okay okay
0: great so and then
2: we, we would encourage people if they could just we don't ask people for a day it's for two hour slots that's all we ask people to do and, and- people have been very good
0: great and then i suppose what how, what do you see as the future of the festival I to know. <laughs> I've seen like two men who aren't short of words, short of words.
2: I mean, you know, I suppose this popularity dictates where, yeah. where the festival goes. If yeah. the crowds keep coming and the feedback is good keep and people enjoy themselves, then it certainly has a future. Yeah, um,
1: And I suppose we're at it a long time and we're not going to be at it forever. So it's, I suppose, we have to look to the future and see can we get new people on the committee who will inevitably all these things always you know you get a new generation of people coming on and you know that'll be a challenge for us in the years ahead because yeah. we're not going to be here forever you know i mean you definitely sure like every organization you
0: have to do your succession your- planning
1: exactly exactly you can get a bit uh you can't see the wood for the trees after a while you get so kind of ingrained into what you do and maybe there's better ways of doing things and new ideas and that's why you constantly need new people coming on the committee and kind of giving their ideas to how we progress things
0: and are you already planning for next year no okay
1: you're <laughs> planning for two weeks time
2: yeah but in, in general with regard to that we would do maybe a debrief in september october and then okay. start and n- the beginning of the year yeah maybe in december then go have a look at some things and and then in january it really heats up then for a month or two and then like it's pretty much full-time now at the minute so yeah. but you'd expect that coming up to.
0: brilliant so people but can find it's, out it's, details it's, on the social media platforms um and do you have a website or is it just mainly kind of Facebook?
1: No, website, yes, ScarifHarbourFestival.ie.
2: Perfect, that's great. Yeah.
0: And yeah. can so I just see, ask... you see
2: the brochures out there, gentlemen. They're, they're out and about and you'll see them in the they're shops. And... Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah.
0: And can I just ask, out of curiosity, who are the people that are on the committee?
1: Well, sure, there's Mike and myself. Yeah. Mary Barrett. Karina, here. Karina O'Brien. Marcus O'Neill, Sandra Holleran, uh, Deirdre McMahon. And is that it? And Mary
2: B. Mary, yeah, Mary. And of Mary course, Jill. Christina Gricewood, who was on the, the original committee twenty years ago. Wow. Works works from home. She works okay. remotely in uh, yeah. Switzerland. In Switzerland. City, oh okay, so.
1: wow.
0: Well, um, on yeah. behalf of, I, I suppose, everyone at Scariff Bay Community Radio and I suppose everybody in East Clare, thank you so much to the two of you and to the wider committee and all to the volunteers and everybody that helps year on year uh, for making the festival such a success. So we want to wish you all the best for the festival this year and uh, we hope you get to get some rest after it and hope you get to have the glorious weather that we're having this weekend um, for the festival itself. Fingers crossed. Um, so thank you so much for your time and we look forward to hearing how it all goes. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer.